Are you going to another level? Yes. 2023 is the year of the maximum. Yes. Amen. Uh, highest level attainable. Thank you, Father. Dr. Savell and the team they've been ministering in uh, South Africa and heard they've had some great services. I haven't been able to watch all of them, just been able to tune in for parts of some. And, but they're having a great time. You can go online and, and, and watch some of those services. If you go to Heritage of Faith South Africa and, and see what the Lord's doing and what he's speaking in those services, you'll be blessed by it. Amen. So continue to pray for that team as they finish out there and then go on to Ethiopia. Amen. But I've been talking last week. I'm just, I'm just got a lot of things kind of rolling around here, percolating, you know, just like, Lord, what do you, my goal isn't just to minister a message or a minister sermon, but minister the heart of God. And uh, I have notes and, and those types of things, but I always want to be sensitive to what does, what does the Lord want to speak? You know, last week we talked about, um, out of first Peter and we talked about how Jesus was an example and we should follow his steps. Remember that? He, he was all in. He was all in. And Dr. Savell just a couple of weeks before that talked about being committed, being determined, being obedient. Just this first God, first place lifestyle. Amen? Jesus was all in. So when Jesus went to the rich young ruler and said, hey, follow me. Follow me. Jesus was not asking him to do something that he had never done. Jesus was asking him to follow me because I have the ability to do things. I, I'm, I want you to follow me because I followed. I, I want you to give up all because I gave up all. I want you to go where you haven't gone before, but you have to go all in. Say go all in. Close, I believe, with Revelation chapter 19, I think verse 10. You need to turn there, but he says this, that the testimony of Jesus was this, worship God. You know what the story of Jesus is? Worship God. What was Jesus doing? He was, he, he was, he was coming to the earth and to point the way to the Father. What was he doing? He was, he was coming and he died on the cross for us. Why? So we could worship the Father. Ephesians 2 said that, that his blood, it was his very blood that brought us near. It was the blood of Jesus that brought us near. So what? So we could worship God. Hebrews talks about come boldly to the throne of grace that you may receive mercy and grace and help in the time of need. I have the ability to come boldly today because of what Jesus did. I'm so grateful that Jesus was all in. I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't just go halfway in. I'm so, so glad that Jesus just said, you know, I'm going all the way in. Why? Because, because I love them so much. It was the joy that was set before him. Jesus was all in. And so I want to continue talking about following the example of Jesus. Being all in. Go to Luke chapter 4. That was interesting. I didn't, um, I was looking at another verse and what came out of my mouth was Luke 4. Because <laughs> I thought I was going to say Matthew 22, but um, okay, let's go to Luke 4. Luke 4. Mm. Mm. Thank God for the word. Luke 4. 
Thank you, Father. Look at verse 4. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only, him only, him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem to set him on the pinnacle of a temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over to you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended his temptations, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogue, being glorified by all. So what is this all about? All this is about these temptations that Jesus was dealing with. All of them had to do with who is your Lord? Who are you going to serve? Who is going to be your source? What are you going to rely upon? And it was in this, in these statements on how Jesus responded. His response had everything to do with him being all in. His response had everything to do with his worship. And what was the outcome? What was the result of him being all in in the midst of these situations? Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. He returned in the power of of the spirit. This, this whole aspect of Jesus operating in something greater had to do with his ability to surrender all to him. Now let's go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Thank you, Father. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said to him, you shall love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. That I should love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. All. Not letting, it's, it, all is nothing else. That means there's not room. If you, you're going to worship him with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, your strength, there's not room for something else. There's not room for anything else. This Jesus said, this is the great commandment. So what was he doing? He was, he was giving us, once again, the, the, this isn't something he's saying, hey, you guys need to measure up to this because you're no good. He's not saying, hey, you, you guys are failures. You're losers. You're, you, 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 can't, you can't compare and you're, you're failing in life. So you need to love God with all your heart. No, what is he saying? Pastor Phil, he's saying, hey, 
This is what I had to come to. This is what I had to come to. I had to come to where God was not just a thing in my life, but he was the thing in my life. I had to come to a place where he was supreme. He was above all others. He, he was, he was uh, beyond anything that, that I could ever pursue, anything that I could ever earn. Jesus was saying, hey, I had to go all in. Follow me. Follow me. Go to John chapter 4. Just looking at some of the things that Jesus communicated. Remember, it was about following his example. Mark 4. I'm sorry, John 4. Thank you. I appreciate that. John 4. 19. The woman said to him, talking of Jesus... I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. But Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Now listen, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Meaning the time is now. This isn't some time in the future. The time is now. The time is now. He's looking for worshipers that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. What is Jesus saying here? He is saying the Father is looking, not only that, but He's seeking those that will worship Him in the Spirit. This word spirit here is the same word that's used in Matthew chapter 22, where it says to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. It's the same aspect. When Jesus is saying the Father is looking for worshipers that will worship with everything they have, all that they have within them to, to worship. What is worship mean? Worship means to, in the Old Testament, their understanding of worship wasn't the way we view worship as this segment of time before the message is preached. It's all of a sudden in services, this aspect of worship is either the prelude for the message or it's to pass time until the speaker's ready. And, and there's this, this aspect of, of worship, though, that, that Jesus is referring to is worship was when they worshiped in the Old Testament, they brought something. When they worshiped, they brought something. They brought a sacrifice. They brought an offering. They brought cakes. They brought animals. They brought something that meaning, meaning they worship God, meaning they came to give something. So when Jesus is saying, hey, God is looking for people that will worship. In spirit, he's saying, God is looking for people that will give all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their mind, all of their strength. And he says, worship in spirit and in truth. How do you worship in truth? What does that look like? Oh, worship in spirit and in truth. He's looking for this, and if he's looking for it, then I want to be it. 
If he's looking for this, he's, he's wanting this aspect of uh, what, what does spirit and truth look like? I was like, Lord, what is, how do I worship in spirit and in truth? I understand. Give my heart, soul, mind, and strength, but how do I worship you in truth? Cause you're looking for it. So how do I do it? I was like, well, your word is truth. So do I worship with your word? No, and this is with the Lord. I looked up the word and the root of this word in the Greek. It means in sincerity and not concealing anything. Not concealing anything. So Jesus said, hey, worship, give all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And not holding anything back. Sincerity. A phrase that Dr. Savell said a couple weeks ago was this, calling for a fresh commitment and a new level of sincerity. That was a phrase he told us the last time he ministered, calling for a fresh commitment and a new level of sincerity. Genuineness. This is what Jesus is saying. The Father's looking for this. He's seeking this. But yet, if he, Jesus wasn't just telling him to do that. It was something that he had to live. Not holding anything back. Not concealing anything. I want, I want to encourage you. Stop holding back from him in 2023. What do I mean by that? Some of you are holding on to things you don't want to let go of. You're holding on to some friends and relationships you need to let go of. There's some, some failures from the past you need to let go of. There's some offense you need to let go of. There's some things that you need to release and go all in. Let's go to John 14. Thank you for all the amens on that. That was good. Thank you, Pastor Justin. John 14. Thank you, Lord. Verse 29. Jesus is speaking here. Now listen, he says, And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, For the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Wow. I want to get to that place. How about you? Do you want to get to that place? The enemy, you have nothing in me. There's no temptation that can control me. There's no suggestion that I'll run after. You have nothing in me. Why? Because Jesus got to a place where I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, all that I am, Joseph. Everything in me, I love God. I give God all that I am. I'm not holding anything back from him. And nothing in me. Verse 31, but that the world may know, now listen to this, that I love the Father. Man, the enemy has nothing in me. And what I want the world to know is 
I love the Father. I want the world to know I love the Father. Does the world know you love the Father? The people you work with know you love the Father? Come on, Pastor, preach. Do the does Satan, does hell know you love the Father? You know, I think of Acts chapter, I think it was at nineteen or seventeen, I think seventeen when when uh, they tried to cast out the devils. And the seven sons of Sceva, and, and they're like, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And you can say, I love, I love the Father. I love the Father. I, I love the Father. I, I love the Father's house. I, I love the Father's word. I love the Father's correction. I love the Father's direction. I love the Father's people. I love the presence of my Father. I love the goodness of my Father. I, I love everything about Him. This is why Jesus could say, the enemy has nothing in me. Why? Because the world knows I love the Father. So let me say, does the, f- the world know you love the Father. Yes, sir. That's good preaching. Good preaching. Now, I'm not saying you can't like other things. I'm not saying you can't like sports or you can't like the food or you can't like these other things. But, but do they know you love the Father? Yes, yes. That's it. This is, this is Jesus. And, and we've been talking about that we should follow the steps of Jesus what first Peter two twenty through 24 says, follow the example of Jesus and we should follow his steps. Well, he said, I love the father. I love the father. Man. But that the world may know that I love the father. Now listen to this. And as the father gave me commandment, so I do. So Jesus wasn't trying to give us something we couldn't measure up to. He was giving us a bullseye to hit. He was giving, he was giving us some insight that you want to see a life lived at another level. You want to see the maximum in your life. You want to see, you want to see your life become only things that maybe you you could dream about or things that he spoke to you when you were a child and you want to see the fulfillment of those things. Jesus is saying, love the father, worship the father, pursue the father, go all in with the father. Him only I shall serve. And this isn't trying to rise to some sort of place of perfection. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. What I'm trying to deposit in us is having a hungry heart to pursue him. Making him a priority of a life where, where maybe he's had no place in your life where you start allowing a little more of his word, a little more of his voice, a little more time devoted to him. It's a, pro- it's a process. It's a process of growth. It's a process of, of growing into the fullness, growing into all that he's, all that he desires for us. Say this. I love the father mm. for Jesus. He said, as he gave me commandment, so I do. And I love this. He goes, arise, let us go from here.
Go to John 15. Thank you, Father. John 15, look at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I saw also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. Wow. Abide in his love. Abide in his love. You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Wow. This is Jesus. He's saying, I abide in the Father's love. I abide in the Father's love. So you abide in my love. Thank you, Father. And then he says this, no one, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You're just really listening intently this morning, right? There's something that happens when you are totally consumed by the love of God. You'll never be the same. When you totally have an encounter with the love of God, you're, you're never the same. When Jesus followed these commands, he followed this command of love. Of loving the Father. And there was something that changed on the inside of him, Dylan. Just like the thing that changed on the inside of you. How many people you can say you've, you've experienced the love of God? See, the love of God. You can try to talk about the love of God. You can try to communicate the love of God. But you don't truly know it until you've experienced yourself. I've heard theologians, I've read a lot of different things, and you can talk a lot of theory about things, but you can't theorize the love of God. You have to experience the love of God. And there was something that happened because Jesus spent time with the Father. There was this exchange that took place where Jesus no longer wanted to live for himself. Because he was so involved and he knew the Father loved him, there was something that happened on the inside of him where Jesus would say something like this, greater love love has no man than this, that he would lay his life down for a friend. This wasn't something Jesus was automatically born with. This was something that he grew into as he gained revelation through the word of God. He grew with wisdom and favor with God and man. There was something that took over him as he spent time with the father. It was this love that engaged him, this love that was so on the inside of him that he was like, I can't not do anything about them being lost. I've got to go to the cross. I've got to go to Calvary. The Bible said he would, he looked over Jerusalem and it said he was moved with compassion. 
passion. There was something on the inside of him because he spent time with the father. Because he was walking with the father, all of a sudden now he's taking on the nature of the father. And now he loves them like the father loves them. See, this, this is what I, I want to say. The, the example of Jesus is he spent time with love. And love overtook him. To where it took him all the way to the cross. To where he was standing in front of that rich young ruler. He came, the rich young ruler came to him, running to him and said, Master, Master. And I love it. It says, and Jesus said, beholding him. Loved him. He couldn't do that if he hadn't been with love. He couldn't do that if he wasn't taking the time to love the Father. He couldn't do that if, if he, he wasn't saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Something changed him. And it was the love of the Father. 2 Corinthians 5. And so many great verses in this chapter, but. Verse 12. It says, for we do not commend ourselves again to you, but we give you opportunity to boast on our behalf. That you, that you may have an answer for those who boast. In appearance and not in heart. I don't care what you might. Well, I do care, but. (laughs) But the point what I'm trying to communicate here is, is the Pharisees had a problem. They cleaned the outside of the cup, but the inside was full of dead men's bones. You can look good on the outside, but that doesn't mean you're full of life. So here it, it, it's saying you, you boast in appearance, but not in heart. I want to boast in heart, yes. Amen. but also believe as my heart is involved in him, it also would change my appearance. Yes. It would change how I carry myself. It would change how I talk, how I walk, yes. how I treat other people. It will change everything when I take care of this yes. and I take and, But this is all taken care of when I'm with him. Yes. But too often the church and religion has, has tried to perfect the outside instead of, instead of really perfecting the inside. Because if you deal with the inside, then the outside will take care of itself. For if, we, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of a sound mind, it's for you. Now listen, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And if he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Wow. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. I should be living for him, not for myself. I should not be living for what I can gain constantly in the natural, but living for him. But I'm telling you, as you live for him, as Jesus lived for him, you won't lack anything. 
you won't miss out on anything. You won't miss a, you won't miss a thing. There's nothing that you'll lack when you choose to put him first place. There's nothing that you will be without. And so here he goes that I'm no longer living myself, living for myself, but I'm living for him who died. I'm living for him. I'm living for him. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was no longer living for himself, but was living for the father. The love of God changed me. How about you? Hallelujah. Thank you, father. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Go to Luke chapter 7. The Holy Spirit just changed some things up here. Luke chapter 7. Verse 36, when you encounter love, you're never the same. Even when I tried to walk away, I couldn't, I couldn't be happy and still live a life of sin. Even though I encountered the love of God and still tried, tried to go my own way, That's really bad when you can't even have fun sinning. You can't have fun doing the things you used to like to do. I mean, it's like, man. Something happens on the inside of you and, and, and you can, you can continue to ignore the Holy Spirit and continue to ignore the Holy Spirit, continue to ignore the Holy Spirit. Until eventually that voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. But ultimately there's something here that's, that's telling me and drawing me back. I love you, Justin. I love you, Justin. I love you, Justin. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. It's just something is not the same after you've encountered the love of God. In the story, I just will get into, just help me to convey this, Father. It's a story of a, a woman that was known as a sinner. We see the count of her story in a number of other places within Scripture. We see it in Mark chapter 14. We see it in, I think it's Matthew chapter 26. And we see it, I think it's in John chapter 12. And in the story, we see a lot of different characters in the story. When we see a house full of people, it's a party. If you look in, in Mark and you look in Matthew, it calls it the house of a Pharisee. If you look in John chapter 12, it was called him a Pharisee, but it also now as they were in Simon's house. So we have Simon the leper... Also, which was a Pharisee. 
So if you take these, these accounts throughout the gospel, we can see several things. Simon was a Pharisee. Well, we know it was a Pharisee. We know in John that it was a Pharisee named Simon. We see in these other places, we see that it's Simon the leper. And if you look at John chapter 12 and, and you go to this account of it, we actually find out who the Pharisee Simon the leper was. Do you want to know who he was? He was the father of Judas. He was the father of Judas. That's why in John's account of this, when the woman breaks the alabaster box upon Jesus, in this account, Judas is saying, what, what is this waste? That kind of lets us know on why that Judas felt like he had the authority to go to the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and exchange a betrayal for Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So in this story, we, we see a lot of awesome things in this. And we see that this woman, let's look at, let's pick this up in, in Luke chapter six. It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. So we know who's Pharisee, we know whose house it is, right? And we know because of the other accounts in Matthew and Mark, it tells us that he's Simon the leper. But wait a minute, he must not have been a leper anymore because no one could be hanging out at the house. Being what? Unclean. You can't go into a leper's house. So, so evidently, Jesus must have healed this Pharisee of leprosy. Evidently, this man must have been healed. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Wow. Man, think about that. In, in John's account, I believe it says it was a year's wages. This woman was a prostitute. How long did it take her to gain this precious ointment? Maybe it was something that was handed down from her from one generation to another generation. And it was the only thing that she had left that could that, that was anything value and significant in her life. And yet, yet we don't know how she came about this fragrant oil, but we know she had it. And we know that it was something costly and it was all she had. It represented her entire identity. It was the only thing that she had a value because every, her identity in the natural was that of a sinner. Her identity in the natural could have been demon possessed. It could have been a number of different things, but whatever it is, it was something that she highly valued. And not only that, but it was something that everyone else around her valued because like this, this was, we could have gone and given this to the poor. Jesus, this is wasteful. I love what Jesus talks about in one of the accounts of this and, and said, this is not a waste. He goes, you'll have the poor with you always. He goes, but where the gospel is preached, this will be a memorial to her. This is part of the gospel. The gospel had to do with this woman giving everything, laying everything down, anything that was any significance to her. The only thing of significance to her was laying it at the master's feet that day. She was going all in. 
Verse 39, now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is that is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Mm. Whoa. Man. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, of them will love him more. Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who was forgiven more. And he said, you have rightly judged. When he turned to the woman and said, when he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my food, but you washed my feet with your tears and wiped them with the hair of your head. And you gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased kissing my feet since the time I came in. Now, wait a minute. This was Simon the leper. This is Simon leper that was healed. This is one that is inviting the master to his house. And he's saying, look, this woman, this woman has been forgiven. This woman has been forgiven. I mean, I don't know where you take these in the scale, which is better to be healed of leprosy or to be forgiven of your sins. I don't know which one is better, but, but, but the thing is, (laughs) Jesus said, Hey, you're Simon, the leper. And this woman is of the streets and she has not stopped. She has not stopped. Even now, as he's having this conversation, I believe this is still happening. She's still worshiping Jesus, even though she was, she has not stopped. She has not ceased worshiping me. She is not, she has not stopped giving me all that she is. And then what is it? You had not even given me a kiss, meaning you have not welcomed me properly. Meaning you didn't even give me the proper welcome in the Jewish tradition. Some of you are like, I wouldn't want Simon to kiss me either. No, this, this was, but no, this was, this was, this was honor. The kiss had everything to do with honor. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This was, this was honor. This was about humbling yourself to each other. And the thing is, he was saying, you didn't even humble yourself to even greet me properly, but yet you want me in your house. Why? Because Simon wanted some sort of gain besides just being in the presence of Jesus. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is given, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What was her faith? Her worship. What was her faith? Giving all of my heart, soul, all my strength. But when I close with, this is not the end of the story.
verse, chapter 8, verse 1. Now it came to pass afterwards. We're still dealing with the same story, right? That he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom. Now listen, this, and the twelve were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod's stewards and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Wow. Meaning, she didn't stop in Bethany. But she kept giving. She kept giving. She kept giving. She kept giving. So it wasn't just the twelve, but it was also all the women that went with him. Why? Because they were all in. All in. Why? Why? Because the love of God eclipsed her life in such a way that she had to pour out and say, God, I want to go on this journey with Jesus. I've encountered the love of God and I no longer want to live for myself, but I want to live for him. I want to live for him. I want to live for him who changed me. I want to live for one who, who saved me. I want to live for him that died for me. I want to live for him that pulled me out of the darkness and, and brought me into light. I, I want to live for him. Verse 4 says, And when the great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke a parable. And if you keep reading throughout the rest of these journeys as these men and women followed Jesus, they were part of miracles. But the miracles came out of, in Jesus' life, the miracles came out of the disciples' life, all because they had a relationship with love. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Going to the maximum. Highest level attainable. It's all a result of going all in. I don't know what you're... Where you're at in your personal life. What you're walking through, what you're walking in. My encouragement is to go all in. His love is amazing. Close your eyes and listen to this for a moment. This is, I want you to hear this. It's in Psalms 36, verses 5 through 10 in the message. It says, God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdict, oceanic. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. How exquisite your love, O God. How eager we are to run under your wings. To eat our fill at the banquet you spread as you fill our tanks with Eden spring water. You're a fountain of cascading light and you open our eyes to light. Keep on loving your friends and do your work in welcoming hearts. My prayer this morning is that you would welcome the love of God 
into your heart. Just like Jesus did. Secondly, you would go all in and let him, let him reveal himself to you in ways you've not known up to this time. And thirdly, not just now, but when you leave this place, that you allow him to work in your heart Take, take time. Take time out of your busy life. Take time. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth. Please don't look at coming to church or wearing the label Christian as some sort of ritual I do on a Sunday morning. Man, this is, this is, a, this is a 24-7 pursuit let his love work in you as we're still in the beginning part of this year surrender all to him hold nothing back from him I want to be just like that woman with the alabaster box give everything And not only that, but go with him wherever he goes. As he's following the Father. Jesus said, let my love be in you. Let my love be in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you as a church family, whether here or watching at home, I thank you that they will experience the greatest breakthroughs they've ever experienced in their life. I thank you, Father, for manifesting your love here in such a supernatural way. Lord, that we make a commitment, Lord, every time that we gather to worship in a corporate setting, Father, that we will come expecting you to manifest yourself here. We come expecting the love of God to be in manifestation. We expect miracles to be in manifestation. We expect, just like Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, as I started, you had me start with, that when Jesus made that decision to go all in, It said he he came out in the power of the Spirit. Lord, as we go in, I thank you. We will walk in the power of the Spirit. We thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a shout of praise if you've received his word today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. We go all in today. We thank you, Father, that he that began a good work, it is going to complete this work. Thank you.
Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. That we're rising higher and higher like an edifice. Thank you, Father, for the great things that you're doing in us and doing through us, Lord, in this hour, in this season, Lord. I thank you that our world around us needs to see a body full of love, walking in love. Hallelujah. Totally submitted to the Father. Totally submitted to the Word. Totally submitted to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. One more shout of praise. Hallelujah. As Joseph comes.